Hello, beautiful light-filled souls. Trisha Barker here. I am so grateful to those of you who signed up for my writing course and for my community and love meeting with you. It's just a ton of fun. Today's guest is one of my favorite tweeters out there, but she is just an amazing woman. She's one of uh, Oprah's Super Soul 100 team. Her book, Know Your Truth, is something that uh, I refer to from time to time to really just kind of straighten my thinking out and see the light within the darkness. But she's inspirational and motivational speaker, an author, a change architect, and I can't wait to share this interview with you. So here it is. Well, I am so excited. Today, I have a guest, Gordana Bernat, and she is my favorite person on Twitter. I don't really use Twitter that much, but I swear my account is just retweeting her because her book, uh, which is Know the Truth, I've read fully, kind of reminds me at times, of course, in Miracles, but it speaks to me so directly where I'm at. And I use it kind of as an oracle. If I keep it by my bed, if I'm feeling down, I open it up. So you are an inspiration. So happy to have you here today. Thank you. Mm, Thank you. Thank you, Trisha. I'm so happy to be here today. And I love your introduction here. How you use my book is exactly how I intended it to be used. So I'm so, so happy to be here today. Yeah, and we were talking a little bit before the show, so I think I'll just jump into my first question. I am transitioning, Mm -hmm. and I really want to focus on living and loving life because I've been talking to near-death experiencers. I'm a near-death experiencer who's suffered a lot of trauma in this life, but what I know of that other side is the minute you connect with that unconditional love, all of that trauma, all of that pain can be let go of, can be transformed, and you really can live a beautiful life. And so what do you say to people who are deeply traumatized, going through depression, but really want more light in their lives? How do you, how do you tackle the hard things? The hard things? Well, I tackle them by recognizing the truth that I know to be the truth. Since we live in a world of polarity, there will always be darkness, but there will be an equal amount of light in this world. So if I'm focused on the darkness, then I will be seeing a lot of darkness around me. That doesn't mean that there is no light. So I have to remind myself that there is there is light in everything. This is why when I look at things, I always try to find you know the dark things in life when you feel like there's no light anywhere I always try to look at them and find the brightest side of it and I don't see this as you know total positivity focused only on the positive stuff it's about finding the brightest side of the darkness so you tweak it tweak it tweak it until you find the brightest side and that's where you rest It doesn't mean that there's light. It just means that it's a little bit brighter than it was before, a little bit. And then you tweak, tweak, tweak until you realize that there is beauty, there is love, there is light everywhere. But you have to remind yourself that the darkness is always equal to the light. So there is an equal amount of light. For me, I know this, that there is more light than darkness, but in this world of polarity, this physical world, this material world, there are equal parts of it. 
And you, uh, I believe you have a quote somewhere around a lot of life is our reactions to it. You know, that yes. I, I think Course in Miracles teaches us that most yes. of our thoughts are not our own and our reactions can be so faulty. Mm-hmm. You want to talk more mm-hmm. about that and how to shift our reactions to this, this world? Mm. Well, the way I see, um, the way I see how this reality is created is that each and every one of us is a stillness at the core. This is where our consciousness is. And then we radiate that out into the movement, which is the physical world. So the the stillness is the only thing that is true within us. The movement out there, this physical world is the illusion that we are creating. And I don't use the word illusion as something that is tricky it's more like it's not the real thing it's like looking at something on a screen so the the physical world is this movement and then there is this stillness and the more you know who you are the more you know that you are this stillness from within the less you will be unconsciously pulled into the movement and you stop being reactive, you become active instead. You choose what it, what it is that you want to explore in this movement. When we are too much in worry mode, when we are too much in this fearful way of living, we shut us, our, ourselves down to a frequency which cannot acknowledge the stillness from within. So it thinks that it is the movement and we become ego triggered. So we jump into this movement without knowing that we have jumped into the movement. And a lot of people come to me and they say, Gordana, I'm lost. I don't know what to do, I'm lost. When you feel that you're lost, then you have become, um, you have moved away from the core of who you are into the illusion of the movement. And you think with your mind that you are the movement, that you are the physical world, so to speak. So what you need to do is go back to the stillness from within and say, everything is in constant change in the physical world. This too shall pass because you're the one standing still. The real you is the one standing still. This is why everything passes. You know, like when we say this too shall pass, this is the ultimate truth because it will. It belongs to the illusion, to the material illusion that we're creating together. That doesn't mean that this illusion is bad because we are creating an illusion of relationships. We're creating an illusion of uh, connections since the truth of us is that we're all one. So we have to create this illusion of being separate so that we can explore other perspectives perspectives than just one perspective. And so it can be a good illusion. It can be a, a not bad illusion, but it can be a negative illusion, which is causing pain and, and disalignment, so to speak. I hope it makes sense what I'm saying here. It's, it's oh, all yeah. over the place. But what I want to say is there is a core and there's a movement. And we're all, the truth is always this stillness from within. You're getting into the realm of how much we manifest and how much we manifest with others. And that's something mm-hmm. I'm thinking about. And I've always been thinking mm-hmm. about is it seems like we're in play with the world around us when we're manifesting. Like we have an effect but how mm-hmm. big is our effect? Do you do you mm-hmm. want to uh, reply to that thought or add a little wisdom? Yeah, well, 
everything that we do in this reality is big because we are the ones creating our own reality. So from my perspective, everything I do creates changes in the outer world. So it doesn't mean that I, I change the world, but I do change my world where I am by being aware of who I am in my world. It's like tapping into the king, queen archetype, you know, this is my kingdom. Everything that is in my kingdom is under my, I won't, I won't say control because I don't like the world, word control, but it's under my consciousness, under my awareness. And the more I am aware of who I am and what I want in this reality, the less I will create unconsciously. Because there's a difference. I mean, I talk in my book about daydreaming and worrying, being one in the same energy or coming from the same source, our imagination. And what creates this reality is our imagination. What we're able to imagine, we can create in this world. So if we are using our imagination, or rather if we are misusing our imagination by worrying, we will create a reality which is based on unconscious frequencies, being what we are afraid of and the quantum field or the universe or whatever we want to call it will mirror back that frequency to us. So the world becomes not what we want, but actually what we don't want with this worry, which means that it will reflect something that is unknown to us and we feel like we're lost in it. If we, on the other hand, daydream and use our imagination the way it's supposed to be used, then we will consciously choose what it is that we want in this reality. We're tapped into the imagination in the right way. Also, we are tapped into our ego the right way, not the wrong way, the right way. So we create a reality that we actually feel joy in and we feel comfortable in it because it is a part of a conscious creation here. So there is a difference between those two and how fearful we are alone or together decides if we create consciously or not consciously. The more fear, the less conscious we create, but we still create. We create this reality 24 seven all the time. There is no pause in it. So it's, it's a question of becoming aware of, am I, am I projecting fear into the future or am I projecting some passions and desires and daydreams into the future of something that I actually want? And on that, <clears throat> on that note, I find that a lot of people after the last couple of years are having trouble daydreaming about what they want the future to yes. look like in their lives mm -hmm. and this world. Like we see an opening, like change has to happen. What are some mm -hmm. of your daydreams for, and what are some of your creations moving forward that, that are mm -hmm. joyful and bring healing to the world? Um, I daydream about finishing my second book and it's beautiful to daydream about it because I have to trust the process, even though when I start flipping this, the pages in my mind, I can't see the text yet, but I can feel the heaviness of the book in my hand. So I know that it is, this is something that I am creating and it is going to be manifested in the future. So that's one of the daydreams. When I was a child, I daydreamed about meeting my husband, actually. I didn't know that it was my husband, but I just daydreamed about meeting someone that I could 
enjoy being myself with. So I literally manifested him in my reality when I was 19. I daydreamed about having a son, even though I didn't know um, exactly how he would look. He actually is exactly what I daydreamed about. So I think that everything that I desire in my reality, which is a true desire, which is uh, connected to um, my true passions and desires in, in life, if I am patient enough and if I trust that things will work out for me, it always manifests. It's when I start to think that I can that I can push or pull or tug it in a direction, that it becomes a struggle. And I know that I've started to not trust the process, so to speak. So these are the things that I daydream about. But I mean, I can daydream about small things like what I'm going to have for dinner, something that I really like, or wine that we're going to drink, or a book that I found that I'm going to read. Those are the things. It's just, it's not daydreaming, or maybe it is called daydreaming, but it's a way to kind of fill myself with, with joy before it comes to me, before I've, I, I've manifested it in my reality. It's the joy of knowing that it's on its way, you know, in a sense. Yeah, the energy, the frequency of what you want comes before um, yeah. it actually shows up in a sense. And yes. I think it's, it's a wonderful exercise and creative people do it unconsciously. Sometimes they're just sitting around daydreaming and yes. daydreaming. <laughs> yes, but you know, it becomes, even though it's unconscious, it's a pleasant thing to do, which means that it will bring a pleasant future in a way. And I, I'm not talking about when people talk about manifesting, they're always thinking about attracting something to them, you know, like getting something from the outside and attracting it. And I do not see it that way. I see that when I am in tune with my desire, that what I want, it manifests through me. It cannot manifest to me, it manifests through me. So I am the source of everything that happens in my reality. It comes through me and my frequency and I cannot pull it to me. So the law of attraction to me is a little bit askew because it's not a question of pulling it to you. It's a question of allowing it to manifest through you. Yeah, because I, from experience, I know that when mm -hmm. you pull something to you, some part of it doesn't fit sometimes. Yes. <laughs> like yes. a part of it did, but then another part doesn't. And so it's not really meant for you. And so that kind of forcing or controlling, sometimes it works, but not for long. <laughs> no, because you see, if you're trying to force it or control it, then you're standing in the frequency of force and control which means that the universe will, will act on that frequency, which means it will give you more things to force and more things to control. It won't give you what you want. It will give you what it is that you're actually doing in your heart and in your mind, because the universe is always listening, but it knows what you are feeling, not just what you're thinking, because your thoughts can be decisive. I mean, you can think that, oh, I want this. I'm so in tune with this. And why isn't it coming? As soon as you think, why isn't it coming? That's the frequency you're sending out. And it says, well, you want to be in waiting. I will give you more opportunities to wait for this thing.
So you will stand in waiting for the rest of your life because you're tuned into the waiting or the wanting, not the joy of having or the joy of knowing that it is yours, even though you're not, it's not yet manifested. And I know that a lot of people have problems with that thing because how can I be joyous of something that I don't have? Well, if you're focused on not having it, then you will it's a negative thing, which will bring you more things to focus on not having. Yeah. And I've noticed that a lot of times when we're not thinking and having fun, a lot of good things just like show up around us, you know, like we have yes. fun interactions with people, you know, randomly, yeah. like life is just in this nice flow. And the minute worry takes over, well, then problems start arising. Yes. <laughs> it's like it but matches so quickly. <laughs> yes. And there is a reason for this. You see, when we are vibing on a high frequency and I, I'm not talking about the highest frequency being joy and always happy, the highest frequency is understanding, standing under your higher self, understanding yourself, understanding your reality, being in a place where you have compassion for yourself and for others. When you're standing in that frequency, your range is really big. So anything that comes into your reality through you, anything that you're manifesting, you're able to see it because you're vibing on a very high frequency. The minute you start worrying, or being fearful, this is what you can see. You can only see this small part, the rest of it, it's there, but it's invisible to you because your frequency does not allow you to see it. It is vibing on a too high frequency for you. So I know that a lot of people say, well, I'm happy all the time and I really want this, but it's not about happiness. It's not about you know pushing yourself to vibe high. It's about being in your flow, enjoying it, not pushing, not pulling, just being in that joyous place within you and understanding even if an obstacle comes to you or someone offends you or you think that something isn't right, looking at the bright for the brightest side there is how you broaden your perspective, so to speak. Also understanding why are these people doing what they're doing and not taking anything personal keeps you vibing on this understanding frequency, which allows you to see much more things. You know, there is this thing that you might already be having what you want, but you're not able to recognize it because you're focused on one thing and all the other things that are around you, you don't see them because you're focused on this and nothing else. So being open and saying, I will recognize my desire when it comes to me. I will recognize it in any form that it comes to me. You know, it's it's like being more like children, curious and open and seeking the fun everywhere, where we go. Yeah, that was actually one of my messages from the near-death experience was to be like yeah. a little child. And it was yes. easy to be in that state of love and joy for this world. And then I think a lot of near-death experiencers come back that way. And then we get sideswiped by life and trauma yes. and, you know, things that yes. can't happen here, especially if you're a young near-death experiencer, because mm. you have so much more time here. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. A lot of my people who follow me, you know, sometimes I hear this echo of, oh, I can't wait to go home. I can't wait to go to that place of unconditional love. I can't wait. This life is too hard. I don't ever want to come back here. And that's why I'm talking to people like you is I want a message of 
why are we here? You know, like what, how can yes. we better embrace yes. this life experience of being embodied of being spirit in this form mm-hmm. and really bringing that light here and enjoying mm-hmm. it instead of just moaning about, I can't wait to go home <laughs> when it's bad. Yes. yes. I so, I so understand what you're saying. Here's the deal with the physical world. We are here to explore the funny rush of a surprise. If you know everything and everything is always great, then how can you enjoy a funny rush of a surprise? You can never be surprised. Being in total bliss becomes your normal state of being. And that might be a little bit dull because it's not evolving you. You're only existing. You're not evolving. You're not growing in your consciousness. You're not learning anything new because you know everything already. So that might be fun for a while, but I don't think that it is helping us grow. This is why we're here is to explore not knowing, is to explore the, diff, the, the, the contrast to love, the contrast to light, the contrast to all the things that we are, the core that I'm talking about is that space, that stillness, knowing everything, being everything, being the light in the darkness, that is who we are. And then we jump into this world in order to experience something that isn't this. So we literally put pull a veil of forgetfulness over our eyes when we enter this world. So we don't know where we come from because we need this experience to feel, to feel, to be surprised by something, to have some fun with it. That's why we're here. And I do understand there are certain things that you, it's really hard. I mean, I, I've had a hard ch- childhood and I know what it means to be in a place where you literally don't think that there is any possibility for you in this world. So you want to end your own life. I've been there. When I was 17, I had that thought that everything would be easier if I wasn't around because it's all dark. I don't see myself moving forward. I don't know what to do with my life because it was so hard. I was so controlled by my father that I couldn't, I couldn't take any step in any direction. I felt cornered. And when I was 17, I was daydreaming about leaving this place because it was too hard. And then we had a car accident the same year that I was daydreaming about, or actually not daydreaming, but I was playing with the thought of not existing here. And it felt so light and so easy, much, much easier than living. It felt like it was easier to stop breathing than breathing in. That's where I was at 17. And then we we had a car accident where my father drove the car. And this car turned upside down several times. And I, w- I wasn't wearing a seatbelt because this was in... Eight, the 80s so we didn't do that at the time and I was all over the place in the car and there is a moment which I remember very vividly where I'm hanging somehow in the air like you know suspended from gravity or everything I'm just hanging there and I see a truck coming against us and I'm thinking okay so this is my last breath and I was totally I was totally thinking thinking that I'm I was going to die and since I've played with the thought I thought to myself it's okay I'm not afraid. The only thing I asked for was that I didn't want to feel pain in my body. 
So I said, make it quick so that it isn't painful. And in that moment, I was totally fine with dying. I didn't feel any fear, nothing. I was just hanging there. And in front of my eyes, there was a little piece, a glass, a piece of glass hovering with me. And a beam of sunlight, the sunlight hits it and it turns into all the colors of the rainbow. And I'm watching it and I grasp for air. That's how it felt for me. And I'm thinking, oh my God, this life is so beautiful. And in that moment, the car stopped and I did survive this. And after that, I had a vivid sense of, or everything was more colorful. Everything was more beautiful. My father wasn't as big as I remembered him. He felt smaller. It was like I grew in that moment. Also, as if I took, as if my consciousness chose to stay here. I could have, I felt like it was an exit, which I was offered. And this little piece of glass made me think of beauty and light and how wonderful this life is. And I chose to stay. So after that, I felt like I would never, ever explore that again. You know, going in the dark place and think there is no light here. There's always light here. There's always beauty here. It's up to me to seek it here. It's it's up to me to look for it. That's what I'm doing here. I'm looking for the light in this darkness. I didn't know that about your story, but that's fascinating because it's kind of like the near-death experience without the physical pain that you kind of, yes. you you got to awaken in that moment. Yes. It, it also reminds me of, you know, how infants see a, a piece of glass or something like that. And yes. they're like, oh, I'm here in this colorful world. It's like you yes. went all the way back to the beginning and started yes. again is the way my intuition is telling me. Did you get this sense yes. of that was your like new start? Yes, I, I saw this and afterwards I've thought about this many times, but it was so beautiful because we we're talking about the morning sun and the light that comes from the morning sun. I mean, we can't see it because it's white. It's, it, it, it contains all the colors, but then he, it hit this little piece of glass and it just turned into all the colors. It's almost like when we are born, we are this light. And then we are born into this world and we ex we explore all the colors of the light. And for me, it was like a waste of my time here to wish myself out of this world. That would be a waste of an opportunity that I got coming here as total light and exploring the facets of all the colors that I bring with me into this world. Why would I do that? This is also, for me, it was like centering me in a place where I knew that who I truly am, and this is from the Course of Miracles, who I truly am cannot be hurt by anything in the physical world. So my father was an illusion in a sense, creating this, these obstacles. I was 17 and when I was 19, I moved away from home. So this illusion kind of, you know, disappeared in the fog somewhere and I could explore my life the way I wanted to explore it. So understanding that everything that is in my reality, it is like I am the queen and this is my kingdom and my father is in my kingdom. There is no way he can have more power over me than me. I am the queen of it. So in a sense, I, there was a very, very centering 
feeling after this car accident, which I couldn't totally grasp at 17, but I felt it viscerally. I mean, I looked down at the grass and I was thinking, I don't remember the grass being so green. And then looking up at the sky and it was so crispy blue. And I thought I must have been asleep because this world is beautiful. It's so profound. And I didn't have a near-death experience, but I feel like it was close because everything like time and space changed structure. So time became very elongated because I don't think that this thing took more than maybe two or three seconds. And yet I have an entire story in my head, which takes more time to play out in this physical world. But in my mind, it was like, I was hyper sensitive to everything. I mean, seeing a piece of glass flying like in slow motion or something. So it was a profound experience which changed my way of looking at myself, even though, as I say, I was 17 and I had no clue what to do with it. I know today what to do with the, the experience, but I didn't know at that time. I just knew that it shifted my perspective so that I could see the meaning of being in this reality, uh, of exploring everything, including the bad stuff. Yeah, and along those lines, you told me a little bit about the e-course that you're creating, and I want to mm -hmm. ask you more about that, because one thing I do to let go of, say, something painful has happened, I always ask mm -hmm. God, it was like, hey, just teach me what part is mine so that I can work on that. And if someone has done something to me that's about them, please just remove that so that I don't have that mm -hmm. burden anymore so that I can be mm -hmm. free of that. And many times I feel like creator, that unconditional love has just washed away the part of the story mm -hmm. that's not me and left me mm -hmm. with what I can work on. <laughs> and I, I think love it's, that. it's beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, I, so beautiful. <laughs> I'm taking a shower. Yeah. 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 Just work on what is me truly, because a lot of people yeah. will project onto you. Mm -hmm. And what is your course about, like helping people reframe the past? And, and how are you helping people do that and, mm -hmm. and create from a new place? Yeah, it's about going back into your past by looking at some key memories. And they don't have to be anything big. It can be something that pops up in your head. But going back there and looking at it from a perspective where you're not looking from the wounds, you're looking from the stillness from within. Knowing that who you truly are cannot be hurt by anything. So when you go back in your past and you look at the memories, what we do is I use photos. So we look at photos and try to pinpoint the feelings and the relationships and who that who you were at that time when you look at the photo. And then from this perspective where you are whole, you look at yourself and everybody else involved and we are looking for the strengths because regardless of what happened to you, you are breathing, you are here and you're doing this e-course, which means that you're actually very active and wanting, willing to see things from a different perspective, which means when you start looking for the strengths, you will always find how this child which is your child, your little self managed to handle the situation. And there is always strength in this, always. The rest is not important to you. You're just looking for the strength. So when you see that, it's like, you know, digging for gold in your past. You put 
pull, pull that into the future with you. And when you're focused on how strong you actually are, you can project that into the future and the future becomes different. So it's almost like doing some quantum jumps back in time, rearranging stuff and then feeling the power in the now moment so that you can project it into the future. And this is what we do. And it's so beautiful when you can do that because it feels like, for me, it was, when I was a child, I always felt like I was walking around with um, a backpack filled with bricks and everybody else around me had wings. They could fly, but I had this backpack with bricks because my childhood was not okay. And I had secrets. I had things that I couldn't share with others. I kept carrying this. And when my son was born, I was 31 at that time. I was thinking, okay, I have to become, I have to be authentic because otherwise he can't be authentic. So I need to be totally authentic. I need to shed what's not mine. Exactly what you were talking about before. And I, the first thing I was thinking was like, okay, I have to go back in my past. I have to see what I'm wearing in this. What is in this backpack? Is it really bricks that I'm having there? Pulling the backpack down, looking into it, going back into my memories and finding that I'm I'm carrying gold. I'm not carrying bricks, I'm carrying gold because every obstacle I had as a child made me who I am today. It gave me the skills, it gave me the resilience, it gave me the, the, the way I explore this world. So it's really gold. And when I could see that, it changed everything for me. I mean, they can fly, but I have gold. I can do whatever I want with this gold. So it changes everything in the now moment when you can go back and find the strengths, regardless of what you have been through since you are breathing and since you are here. That means that you made it, which means that you you have skills. Otherwise, you wouldn't have made it. So that's what we do. And I, I love going back into it and rearranging things, not rearranging facts, because the people that were there will still be there in your memory. The time will be the same, but you will not see yourself from the victimhood perspective. You will look at yourself from the powerful perspective, which is always the truth, the stillness from within, the thing that cannot be touched by anything in the outer world. So that's what we do in this course, and I love doing it. <laughs> oh, I love that idea, too, because just as you were talking, I was thinking about I was an only child, felt profound loneliness and some abuse you know, in childhood. But the near-death experience showed me I had this great connection to nature, that I was this sensitive kid, and wild animals would come to me, that trees understood me, that this whole world was close yes. to me. And that's all I felt was the love of this world and the love yes. of creator. And I thought love is yes. always around us. And that's what you yes. begin to see is like, oh, and that sensitivity turns out to be a very good thing because there's lots of people like me, <laughs> like there's yes. a ton of people who can understand what I went through and heal with me. And so it's yes. younger ones, older ones, you know, like a whole yeah. mix of people. So yeah, when you see the gift, it shifts. It definitely shifts the story. Absolutely. It's a question of understanding how to explore this reality through the right filter. Because we can't see this reality from soul perspective. We have to look through a filter. And the filter is the ego. 
And the ego has a shadow side and a light side, the way I see it. So the light side will contain all your things that you desire and want and love. The passions that you have in this world will be contained by your ego. But so will your fears and worries and, and all the things that you don't like and don't want are also contained by the ego, the shadow side of the ego. So if you are perceiving your past through the, the shadow side of your ego, which is always triggered by bad stuff in the past, you will be stuck in the past. You hold yourself prisoner in the past because you're looking through the shadow side of your ego, and it keeps you in that state in the now moments. It has moment. It had has to be a conscious choice to look through something else than the wounded you, the victim you, looking at yourself through soul perspective and the bright side of the ego, looking at it from that space. That, that there you can see how you managed where your passions come from, where your daydreams come from, who you actually were when you were a child. What were your dreams before they told you who you were? That's the only way to explore that part. But, you know, in my book, I write about the ego as not being a bad thing. You have to, it's like a tool. You're supposed to use it here. It, you, if I wouldn't wear my masks, my ego masks here, and you wouldn't wear your ego masks, we wouldn't be able to communicate in the physical world. So what's the same in you is the same in me. This is the one looking into this world. So you are a part of the one looking into the world. The stillness within you is the same thing as the stillness within me. It's the same observer. Now the filters, they are my desires, my dreams, my passions. And the same thing goes for you, your desires, your dreams, and your passions. And this is what actually separates us. This is what makes you, you, and gives you your identity, your physical identity. And it's also what makes me, me. And if we didn't have these filters, we would know everything. So we wouldn't be, why would we communicate? We would be one, right? So we have to wear these filters in order to communicate with each other. And that's where the choice comes. If you are in a reactive mode or if you actually can hold a pause and then act consciously, that's where you choose the masks. You can put the shadow mask on and become reactive. And then the whole world becomes fearful and the whole world becomes more darkness than light. And there's more obstacles than, than flow. Or you can put a mask on where you choose the more the brighter side, the, 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 the light side of the ego that will push you into exploring your dreams and desires and, and wishes. So you have to use the mask. But I think most people do not understand that they can shift, they can choose what mask they want to use. They think that we're supposed to explore the world without the masks, and that's not true either. Do you think that there's a time to use the shadow side, or just do you think there's a time to be above it and just acknowledge that it exists? Because I... I'm mm -hmm. always pleased by people when they know themselves, <laughs> like when they know yes. both of these sides. Do you think there's ever, though, a moment where we have to use the, the darker side? I think that 
Of course, there are moments where we are in danger, in physical danger. And that's when those maybe darker sides might be triggered. But using them for a very short period of time, I mean, saving your life or, or if you have to defend your, yourself physically attacking someone else, but then releasing it like animals do. If you've seen what animals do when they survive something, they're like, ooh, doing this, this with your, their bodies. And then they just continue to stroll afterwards. They allow this energy out. And I think that the problem with human beings is that we have free will and that we do not know how to use our free will. So we stay in this state without knowing that we can actually shake it off. And for me, going back in the memories is to shake it off in the memory and then coming back without the stuff that it literally sits in your body afterwards. It becomes a memory in your body that will trigger you every time someone else does something that reminds you of those things. And this is when this shadow mask comes up habitually. So I think that, of course, there are times when we have to use them, but for a very, very short period of time. And then the danger is when it becomes habitual instead, so that it just comes up as a reaction mode. It comes up. You don't even know when it came in front of you. You're just reacting to it and you become someone that you don't know someone that you don't know. And then afterwards, when you have the time to cool down, you would say, why did I react that way? Because you were asleep and your ego was driving. The shadow side of your ego was driving and you can't, you were not in connection to who you truly are, that you cannot be hurt by anything in this world. So it's a question of being awake or asleep <laughs> in a sense. Yeah, that's a good explanation. And as you were saying that, it made me think of people who've trained in martial arts. I think maybe they're really good at letting go of, you know, like the energy of attack, you know, just diverting it, yes. dealing with it, but then moving uh, on. I love how you did, uh, explain it. it. It's a question of being like water, allowing things to you know, you flow around them. You don't stagnate with them. And for me, it's like when you've had a bad childhood, you might stagnate in it and you don't allow the energy to flow freely because you're stagnated. And that's what we do. We go back and release that energy so that it can flow freely again. And it takes, it takes courage and it takes an enormous willingness to let go of things that do not belong to you. The problem with letting go with a lot of these things that actually don't belong to you is because they, they hide as a part of your identity. And the ego is really afraid of losing it, its identity. So it will keep holding on to the things that don't work for you in this world because it tells you it's a part of your identity. If you lose this, then who are you? So you'd, you'd rather keep things that are heavy and you actually don't want because you think that they're a part of your identity and they are not. They're never. You choose what's part of your identity here. 
That's so freeing. And I think that message yes. needs to be heard a lot more. And I, I love this world right now, believe it or not, because I think that there's so much healing coming to the planet. And yes. I think your course sounds like it's, it's offering some <laughs> healing. And I think there's all kind of physical modalities, spiritual modalities. I, I just feel this, that yes. there's healing coming. And so for yes. anyone suffering, I always say, just hold on. <laughs> you know, like I, we're coming up with ideas. I feel it. I feel humanity yes. being more open yes. than ever before. Yeah, I I so understand what you're saying because it feels like there is a collective energy that is rising, which means that most people would say, well, we're not happier. We're actually more miserable. Yes, because what is on the bottom of this unconscious sea is coming up. And it forces you to look at it because what doesn't belong to you, you have to see it before you can release it. So you're absolutely right that there is something going on in this reality, which is um, it's it's like a rising energy. It brings up all the subconscious stuff that is in this subconscious sea, collectively bringing it up. So it gives you an opportunity to see the things that you don't want in this reality and then release them and keep whatever it is that you want, but you need to see it in order to know what you want and what you don't want in your reality. So I think that it is a positive thing, even though it feels painful and it feels fearful and it feels uh, like, like the end of the world almost, but it's not because it's a question of how do you deal with the things that you have been carrying for such a long time? Collectively, we have been carrying along a lot of stuff that isn't doesn't belong belong to us. And it goes through the ego often. So becoming more aware of who you are and how you want to use your ego in this world. I think that's what's happening. Oh, beautiful. Well, I know when we first talked before this interview, you had opened your book and I use it yes. like an oracle and you were going to read something that you opened in relation to this interview. So I'd love to hear that. Yes, absolutely. I was actually thinking about you, Trisha, and I thought, okay, so I'm connecting to Trisha's energy and what is her message for today? So I opened up, let me just, I opened up to, let's see here, there it is. I opened up to a chapter which is called You Are the Shining One, which is so perfect for you. And then it's the truth thought number 165. And it says, never lose yourself in the jungles of the grown-up world. Explore your truth. Trust what you find. And I love how you started talking about having your near-death experience and it brought you back here where with a sense that we should explore this world as children, because when we lose ourselves in this grown up world, that's when we lose this ability to see all the beauty in this world. So I feel like this, this thing is really connected to you from my book. Also, there's another one. I'll read the other one too, because that one is also good. It's 166 on the other page. And it says, a child doesn't spend its time wondering, who am I? Because it knows. It simply uses the time to play, imagine, and enjoy its being in the now. I think that is, that is how we're supposed to be in this world, being focused in the now moment and, and seeing all the colors that are there, exploring them without the fear. 
Well, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been such a blessing and such a joy to share some of your story with my viewers and, and get to know you better. So we're also talking about how social media can feel a little lonesome out there, you know, just like the sea of words. And so connecting with others, even on Zoom, is like a yes. breath of fresh air. It's just wonderful. Yes. So thank yes. you for this moment. Thank you so much for having me, Tricia. I had a really good time. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.